Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. And this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Again, I say we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And I just wanted to say hello to everybody. I know that it's been a while. Um, it has been some things going on on my end, um, school and all that good fun stuff there. And I remember talking a little bit about how I was just kind of bored in general. And for those that have been listening to the show, especially over the last six months or so, you know, I, I made it clear, I said that I um, wasn't really motivated, a little unmotivated, and my focus was off, meaning my focus was on a bunch of other stuff as opposed to, you know, this here. And so I've taken some time, a little time away, had some conversations with some people in my life, and honestly, at one point, I was going to end the show. And what I was prepared to say today was, you know, we were going to be listening to the last 10 shows. And, well, the next 10 shows I would have done live, and then I would have been done with it. But I have since changed my mind. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to keep rolling with the show. Um, it, it won't be a show every week, and I'm going to continue doing the live Sunday shows. So at least twice a month I'll do a live Sunday show. And if it's something else that happens or comes up, I may do a live show or I may pre-record it and put it out there. But it's so much that's been happening. You know, you all see what's happened with Flynn and Manafort and Gates and Papadopoulos. This Harvey Weinstein, you know, thing is crazy. Conyers, um, you know, Franken is so much that needs to be covered and talked about. And I just haven't said anything publicly, but believe me, Raina and I have had some really spirited conversations about this. And, you know, what I will say is that I'm glad that women are standing up for themselves and, you know, this is being confronted, condemned, and, and rectified to a certain degree. But I also want people to understand that not only do you have men that are sexual har- um, harassers and predators, you have women that are sexual harassers and predators too. You know, and I was happy when Terry Crews um, brought up the situation with him, although it was another man that, you know, harassed him. He brought it up. He brought it out. You know, there is a lot that I love about Terry Crews. And for those that are not familiar with him and his stance on life in general, you may want to go and check him out. You definitely want to go out and check out and see what's going on with him and why I consider him, you know, a very, very healthy um, gentleman. You know, he's emotionally available. You know, things that some of you men out here hear women telling you, you're not emotionally available. And I know some of you are trying to figure out what that means. Do some research. You know, take a look around at Terry Crews. There's a few more of them out there. But, you know, that's something that you're going to have to put an effort into. You're going to have to do some work. So it's not just about reading this and say, oh, well, if I just act this way, that's the problem. You've been acting. And women can kind of tell that, and other men too. So, you know, do some research, do some work on yourself, and, you know, it'll all fall in place. 
It's not something that happens overnight because, you know, a lot of the behaviors that we all have, these are learned behaviors, and many of us perfect them as time goes on. But anyway, that's not what I wanted to get into. But I just want to let you guys know that, you know, BFT is going to stay around, and we're going to be here, and we're going to be talking about these things and a whole bunch of other stuff. But I have a new platform coming up. Um, I'm hoping to have everything up and running by the end of January. So the end of January, beginning of February, and my other platform that I'm bringing up probably will be brought up in May or June, somewhere around that time. So more information is forthcoming um, about those two things. But that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I didn't think I would be able to focus on all of these at the same time. But I'll be able to do that and keep up with my schoolwork because the other two platforms will be pre-recorded and edited and put out there. But this platform will remain the same, whereas we'll open the phone lines, people can call in, never know what kind of boomerang may be coming. <laughs> You're white. But what I will tell you guys is that I do appreciate you. And I've had a lot of fun over the years, and I've learned quite a bit. You know, I learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot from people in the community, and most importantly, I learned a lot just watching and listening and not saying anything but taking notes and, and you know, taking some constructive criticism on how to make myself and make things better. So, you know, this year, 2018, I am going to really start putting forth a real effort um, 2016, 2017, really rough. You know, like I said, we had deaths and near deaths, and that's part of life. And we understand that. I understand that. But it was really hard. And one of the things that I've admitted, and, you know, I'm really upfront and honest about this, is that I have a hard time processing death. And so, you know, this is a new type of minefield for me, if you will. And when I say that, I'm talking about my emotions. You know, the minefield are my emotions and how to navigate it and how to deal with these things. Because as a non-believer or as a, you know, humanist, a free thinker, um, I view these things a lot differently now. And so, you know, the permanence of this has you know, a deeper meaning. And so what I will say is, you know, being a humanist, a free thinker, all of these things here, I believe that it's made me more compassionate and it's made me more understanding. And I believe one of the reasons for that is the fact that I got I have a better understanding as to why people do hold on to their faith and why people do hold on to, you know, different ideologies and different desires and, and how it brings them solace and, and peace and, you know, all of these different things. And I believe those are conversations that we definitely need to have. And, um, you know, it's, it's been rough. You know, that was, that was really rough. And so, um, yeah, when I lost my 
best friend, big sister, second mama, you know, when she died in February. Yeah, that yeah, that kind of drop kicked me right there. So, you know, I'm still dealing with it, you know, keeping up with the kids and all of that. But anyway, said all that to say this, that, you know, things are getting better on my end. And, you know, we're just moving forward. And so, you know, I did that talk, and I did a couple of shows about metamorphosis. And so what I'm dealing with now is I'm going through another metamorphosis. So, you know, again, you know, with everything that I've dealt with as far as, like, people that are near and dear to me, you know, being lost or almost losing them and going back in and redeveloping and strengthening those relationships and um, and, and also, you know, working on me, you know, trying to understand why I react certain ways, why this affects me certain ways, why is this a trigger, you know, it's it's important. So, you know, I'm telling you guys about working on yourselves. I just want to give you some insight as to the fact that I'm doing the same thing. And so it's, it's, it's been a journey, you know, and with these new different, with these two new platforms that I'm bringing up, um, you know, that's part of the metamorphosis, especially the first project that I'll be bringing up the end of January, beginning of February. Um, that one is really near and dear to me because, you know, you all will see. <laughs> you will see, and um, I'm excited about it. And with that particular platform, you know, it, it's going to force me out of my comfort zone, which is a good thing. You know, because as you learn and you grow and you experience, you know, you you start to do better or you start to at least attempt to do better. And so you, you me, I'm surrounding myself with better people, you know, making better decisions. Um, going back and looking at things that have transpired and, you know, taking ownership of my participation, you know, in different scenarios and, situa- and situations. So it's it's been a journey, and we're going to be rebooting next year and reaching out and doing more things, so I'm really excited about that. And, you know, I've been saying this for years. I got to write. I got to put it out there. I really don't have a choice now. <laughs> because of what I'm doing with school, you know, they say publish or perish. So, you know, um, a lot of the podcasts that we've done, I'm going to run quite a few of them through a transcription service, you know, or some software and do something with those as well as some new things that I want to discuss and some new areas that I want to comfort. And, you know, I've had people telling me for years, Kim, you need to write a book, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. And I get that, you know, and it's been kind of, you know, pressing on me because there are some things that you all need to know what really happened. And, 
what it entailed and how that situation became what it became. And so um, there are different ways in which I can tackle these things. You know, I'll be informing you guys of that, and when I put the information out, um, we'll be doing, you know, you'll you'll get a better understanding, and I'll give you a heads up. As a matter of fact, next year we're going to um, change quite a few things around here. So um, be ready, and I think I'm going to end up moving the show from this platform to another platform. So I am, you know, really debating on what I want to do and how I'm going to do it. But that doesn't mean that the Blog Talk account is going to go away. That's going to stay there. But what may end up happening is I will make some edits and put some excerpts here. And if you want to hear the entire podcast, you can come over to the other platform, which will have um, paying tiers. So it's, you know, some things that are going to be changing. And that, you know, that is part of the metamorphosis. So anyway, you know, enough of that. Today we have a special show. You know, it's entitled Conversation with Dr. Dov Evans, and he wants to talk about his book. I'm really excited. The name of his book is The Emancipation of a Black Atheist. And so I want you all to sit back and enjoy this conversation and join me as we welcome Dr. Dov Evans. But let me tell you a little bit about him first. So, you know, this is his bio here. You know, he said, great journeys often start with a single question. For Dr. Evans, a newly married professional in the Christian-dominated South, that question was, why do I believe in God? That simple query led him on a years-long search to better understand the nature of religion and faith, particularly as it applies to the black community. The culmination of his journey is recounted in his latest book, Emancipation of a Black Atheist. While this journey eventually led him to discount the notion of God, he calls on all to ask their own questions, particularly those within the black community who act on blind faith. Dr. Evans is a corporate trainer who resides in Morrisville, North Carolina, with his wife and new children. So give Dr. Evans a hand as we welcome him to the show. Good afternoon, Dr. Evans. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I am doing well. What about yourself? I'm doing great. Can't complain. Excellent. Excellent. So welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Well, I'm happy to hear that. And we must, you know, we're just going to go on and tear into the meat and bones of your book here, Emancipation of a Black Atheist. And I did put the link to the Amazon store on the show notes, and then I also put a link to your Facebook, um, Emancipation of a Black Atheist um, Facebook page, uh, so people can get more acquainted with you, and so that we can watch your career grow. You know, I'm really excited to see um, what you're going to be, excuse me, what you're going to be sharing with us over the years. So when did this happen? When did it start? When did you ask your question? Why do I believe in God? When did you do that, and what were the circumstances? 
Right. So let's see that that initial question probably um, first became prominent to me uh, about five years ago in like 2012. Um, I was uh, in 2012. I just got married, um, and I had my my first child was born as well in uh, 2012. So there was a lot going on um, in that year. It's a very busy year, to say the least. We also moved. Um, I got a promotion, so I moved um, from North Carolina to Nashville, Tennessee. So all that happened within the span of maybe about six months. So, um, so again, it was, it was a lot going on. And prior, um, prior to me getting married, prior to me moving, um, and uh, prior to my first child being born, um, I had a coworker. Uh, that uh, I would talk to very often with a black guy and he was a security guard, real cool guy, um, real smart. And we would have very interesting conversations with each other. And um, I remember he first told me um, about uh, Dr. Ben, Dr. Yosef Ben. And he told me about a couple of other individuals that I should look up. He said, you know, Dob, I know you're into history and um, you know, I know you, I know you love learning new stuff, and I, I want you to read uh, these guys and their take on religion. And I, number one, I'd never heard of these guys before ever, so I was, I was interested. You know, he definitely piqued my curiosity. So, you know, I looked into these individuals, and, you know, what I saw was astounding. You know, they had some interesting, uh, very interesting facts that I'd never heard with all my, you know, studies in history. I was a history major in undergrad, and you know, never, you know, heard some of the things that they talked about with regards to, um, you know, just the African people and indigenous religions. Um, and for some of them, what that process looked like coming over from the way Africans would practice spirituality and were violently forced um, to make the transition and convert to Christianity. And right. um, I was, I was thrilled. I mean, I, I was, I was thrilled about it because I just love learning new stuff. So I wasn't thrilled necessarily about um, you know, about, you know, what I learned about religion specifically, just more so about, you know, I learned something new, period. So I remember going into the office a few days later and talking to Corey the next time I saw him, and I said, hey, man, you know, I had a chance to see, um, you know, some of the you know, stuff he shared with me. It was really interesting. And all of a sudden he said he couldn't talk about it anymore. Come to find out, you know, he told me that his, he's, he was engaged to get married, um, and his wife uh, was, a, was a practicing Christian, and when she kind of found out what he was talking about, she, you know, kind of shut that whole conversation down. So, um, so unfortunately, we didn't talk about it anymore. But, you know, it still, it still hung there in the back of my head. So, um, so fast forward a few months later, like I said, I'm in Nashville, um, and I'm newly married, probably married maybe six months. Um, you know, my newborn son, I'm sitting on my couch, and I'm, uh, I think I was listening to a, a show um, called Intelligent Squared where they debate various topics. And the topic they mm-hmm. happened to be debating was, um, you know, uh, is there a God or is God real? Um, and I just thought it was interesting. So, again, I listened to the whole debate. And out of all of the facts that they shared and all of the, um, all of the interesting points of view that they, you know, that they were able to articulate, the thing that stood out to me the most was the fact that I never asked a very simple question to myself, which was, why do I believe in God? So I remember asking that question, you know, in my head in the middle of the debate. And then even after the debate, I still kind of, you know, that question lingered. And I thought about it and I thought about it. Um, And one day, you know, I kind of realized the best answer that I can come up with was because my mother said so. That was literally the best answer that I had. Yeah, that's right. 
yeah, that that was I, I couldn't think of anything else. I I, I you know I, I thought of everything else that I thought of was other people's experience. Like, well, because you heard God spoke, I was like, no, that's never to my knowledge, that's never happened before to me at least. And you know, was it because you felt something or things of that nature? And that wasn't my experience. I was thinking about other people's experience. The only thing that I could say was right. truly my experience was I was taught, you know, growing up, um, more so implicitly, um, uh, that, you know, that, that there is a God. And that answer didn't sit um, well with me because, you know, as, as a grown man, you know, as, as an adult, you know, no one answer should be just because mom said. So that can certainly be the seed or the foundation of why you do what you do or why you think what you think, but it shouldn't be the end all be all. You should have your own reasons, your own individual experience and thought and journey, which I did not have. So that's that question. And that, that, that poor excuse for an, for an answer led me down my own journey. And I started uh, doing a lot of research and that research, uh, the amount of research I did started to become a few notes. I would scribble down and those notes became, you know, you know, copious amount of notes that I would take. Um, and before I knew right. it, I kind of, you know, jokingly said to my mom, to, to my wife, I said, you know, I should, I, I should, I should turn this into a book. Um, but, uh, right. but then, you know, it started as a joke, but, you know, a couple of years later, um, it really became a book. And, and my, that the book is really an exploration, not only, um, just, of you know, my, my own journey into religion and how it affects the black community, but also, um, I had the opportunity to talk to other individuals, um, you know, both, uh, who are atheist and agnostic, as well as who still subscribe to the faith, um, mostly, you know, Christianity, and kind of talk to them about their journey and what they believe. And I asked them some of the difficult questions that I stumble upon after that initial question. I asked those same questions to them and, you know, what their take on it was. I wanted to understand um, how this thought process, you know, really permeated the black culture and, you know, what it, how it affects our actions and the way we move and the uh, the type of solutions we come up to the problems that the, the unique problems that affect our community. I wanted to ask them some of these questions and see how religion played a hand in this. And it was a very interesting journey to say the least. And it was a great self-reflection um, that if nothing else allowed me to say, now I have my own journey. So when my son, now I have two sons. So when my children ask me, um, you know, these, some of these challenging questions like, is there a God? And um, why do other people pray? These are some of the questions they've already asked me, um, you know, things of that nature, then I can have not only a more open-minded um, uh, answer, but it's, a, it's an answer that will promote critical thinking, that promotes them having their own exploration and doesn't quell critical thinking. I don't want them to feel like, um, I think most people in the black community are familiar with, um, do as I say, not as I do. Um, and That's you know, right. echoing that, I can I, I can certainly understand where it comes from. I'm a parent, so I know exactly where they're coming from. But I can't help but to, you know, if I think that or even say it, I can't help but to think about um, the slave owners who probably said the same thing with regards to a lot of different topics, especially religion. So um, I, I don't want to um, sh- put the shackles on their brain um, and their and, and their uh, intellectual development like that. I want to foster an environment where they ask those tough questions. Because asking those tough questions and having them do their own exploration creates a more authentic, um, authentic exploration and experience um, that, again, if, whether they end up Christian or atheist or whatever it is, it can be because that's the journey they went down and not because mommy or daddy indoctrinated them into the faith and they felt like they were treated more like sheep and not intelligent beings. So. 
Excellent, excellent, excellent. And that's wonderful, you know, being able to raise children and and give them the answers and allow them to make the decisions for themselves while utilizing the critical thinking skills. So that's great, and I'm glad that, you know, you were able to come to these realizations yourself with a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of reading, a lot of introspection, all of that plays a part. So let me ask you this, because I talk to Dr. Chris Cameron every once in a while, and he's writing a book on black free thinkers. And basically, you know, he – Exactly. So basically, you know, the last conversation that I had with him, you know, he was talking about how some of his research, you know, took him all the way back into the archives of the black community. And he's discovering all these different people and the fact that there were many of us that were out there who called ourselves black atheists or humanists or free thinkers and that this has been going on for a long time. It just wasn't necessarily spoken of very much publicly and some somewhat taboo. But when you go back and you start looking up people like Hubert Henry Harrison, you have Claudia Jones. I mean, even just if you go all the way back, you have Nella Larson, John G. Jackson. I mean, we can name, you know, a bunch of people and you go back and you start reading that history. And even Asa Philip Randolph with the Pullman Porters right. here in Chicago. Um, and he was right next to Dr. King along with Bayard Rustin. And, you know, one of the debates with, you know, Mr. Rustin is was he a free thinker or was he a Quaker? And so, you know, it's been interesting, but he was very open-minded. I mean, have you had a chance to go back and look up some of these people, you know, who somewhat pioneered that for, you know, black people here in America? Because um, this has always been in Africa, They've always questioned things in Africa, but go ahead. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I um, in, in doing my research, I was, and I think a lot of black atheists, um, agnostics can definitely attest to having this experience where when you first come to the realization that, um, you know, you no longer believe and you distance yourself uh, completely from the faith, you, it's not uncommon to feel alone. You know, as a black agent, you're like, am I the only one? More than likely, you don't know any others, um, or at least right. maybe any others in your immediate circle. So, uh, so, so that quest for other black free thinkers um, and atheists and Nazis was a lot easier to find throughout history, um, you know, than it was, you know, amongst my contemporaries. So, for example, you know, when I found out about, you know, some of the ones that you named, like Asa Philip Randolph, um, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois, James Farmer, Frederick uh, uh, Douglass, uh, like you said, James Baldwin, um, Langston Hughes, um, you know, Lorraine Hansberry, all these individuals um, that, That's right. you know, again, atheist, agnostic, you know, they, they definitely had a more free-thinking approach when it came to religion um, and not the typical, you know, dogmatic Christian approach toward, you know, religion. It, 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 was, it was comforting to find out about these individuals, and especially for the individuals that I already learned about, you know, and I was, I was astonished that that one little fact, you know, slipped right under my nose, especially, you know, growing up, um, I call myself, mm-hmm. you know, I say my experience was more as a cultural Christian, but as a cultural Christian in the church, during um, during Black History Month, you know, more than likely you're going to hear some of these names, but more than likely, you know, that that little fact to be omitted from you know their you know their history and, and, and from their biography, if you will. So it's very interesting, you know, learning that these individuals questioned had the same questions and thought you know very similar to the way that I did. 
Um, and uh, again, I found out about these individuals before I was able to find other black people, um, you know, that were atheists, you know, around me. Um, and uh, and that, that, that look into history, that peer into history allowed me to understand even more that black people are not a monolith. You know, we are not all the same. You know, mm-hmm. we're not all this, we're not all that, and we're certainly not all Christian. So or all religious. That's right. So 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 that definitely was a more nuanced perspective when it comes to our community. And not only that, but as you mentioned, a lot of those individuals in history were very, were very prominent figures and contributed to a lot of the issues, the main issues that 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 you know that that plagued our our community specifically. So to know that um, that a lot of these heroes weren't all necessarily in the Christian church, but you know, they were from a very wider range of the, of the, you know, diaspora, if you will. Um, that was a lot more comforting and gave me a lot more of a, um, a lot more complete perspective of who we are and where we come from. And it's not from this very um, myopic point of view of everything is from the very small point of just Christianity. Everything begins and ends with Jesus. There's more to us than just that. Um, and it, again, right. so it, was there, it was definitely a, uh, a breath of fresh air. And as I continue to go around and do talks, um, you know, various talks to various little groups um, and kind of share some of this information, I love, you know, seeing, you know, the look on people's face, be it black or white, uh, you know, when they learn some of these prominent figures in history, uh, in black history, if you will, um, were also free thinkers. You know, they were also non-believers. And I love seeing their face and go, wow, I didn't know that. And again, just how I love to be, as I said earlier, um, um, refreshing the doubt of new knowledge um, and different things, you know, that I learned. I love doing the same for other people, not necessarily teaching them, but just kind of opening up another door and, you know, you know, letting them right. or should choose. So, uh, so again, that's, that's, that's just a little bit of the history that I did on some of the black non-believers. And again, it just, it, it also changed what I think about the future of religion, you know, in our community, knowing that um, this has been around a lot longer than I initially thought um, allows me to think that, um, this is something that, uh, you know, non-belief, you know, free thinking is something that can potentially gain ground. Um, and not to say that my mission is to convert people necessarily, but just to have a more complete nuanced perspective of our community and who we are and how we can tackle the problems exactly. that in our society. Because I definitely think that religion contributes, um, not entirely, but definitely in part to um, some of the issues that have been plaguing us literally since, since we were in chains. So. You're you're correct, and <clears throat> excuse me. And so, you know, what's interesting about that is when you were saying, you know, some of the looks and questions that came your way. I had the same experience. Um, the Movement for Black Lives had a conference in Ohio, and that was 2015. And I went to that, and I enjoy going to the different panels. And one particular panel that I went to was specifically for black Christians in regards to Black Lives Matter and why hasn't the black church stepped up. So I knew that was going to be a hot potato just to begin with. (laughs) And so, you know, we were there and they had everybody introduce themselves. And me, I'm the type of person I find the very last seat in the back. So I'm the last person that has to say anything. And so everybody was saying, you know, their denomination, where they were from. And then I said, well, I'm a black atheist. Every head turned. (laughs) And so (laughs) 
<laughs> so it was interesting. So, you know, they had the, um, the speaker there, and as he spoke about the different things, um, then it opened up to Q&A. And so they were going back and forth in dialogue. I made my contributions. And so when one of the young women stood up and she said that she thought it was unfair for, you know, the organizers and activists to point at the black church and saying that we are failing, that's not all black church. So you know how that goes. It's not everybody, right? right? And so me being me, I had to raise my hand, and I said, well, actually, the response that we're receiving from the black church is actually on par with the response that they received with the civil rights movement. And so I started breaking down the history of all of that and talked about other movements that came before the civil rights movement. And, well, the civil rights movement started when the first slave tried to get away. But, you know, they were called other things. And so, right. you know, by the time I broke that down, the 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 speaker, he just started smiling. Because some of the people were looking at me like I was crazy. And he turned around and he said, she's right. Everything she said is correct. And he broke it down. And so that that's one way that I'm able to kind of create conversation and to put just enough into the conversation to pique people's curiosity and encourage them to go out and do the research for themselves. So, you know, that was interesting. Another thing that was interesting to me was having family members, you know, in their own way said, well, yeah, I used to question that stuff too. (laughs) So how has your family's reaction been to you and your journey here? Right, that's a that's a great question. So uh, my family's reaction um, initially, um, had you asked me this question maybe two years ago, I would have told you it was quite challenging, um, uh, specifically like with my mother. Uh, but um, you know, but as things have, as time has gone has gone by, and I've had the opportunity to interview several Black atheists and agnostics uh, for my book, um, I I very quickly uh, came to realize that my experience. Um, you know, it, my, my coming out and as, a, as a black non-believer experience has been um, has, has been nothing compared to that of others who have lost family members and lost friends. Um, I can definitely say that that has not been my case. So, um, but the one thing that, uh, well, yeah, definitely one of the things that I can say um, I've gotten from this experience um, in coming out to family members and friends is it's led to some very interesting conversations. That's been one of the biggest things the book has done. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll start with family members, for example, with family members, um, I'll start with my mother, my, you know, my mother and I, we went through a series of conversations, uh, throughout the years I was writing this book. Um, and uh, a lot of those conversations are documented in the book. You know, I kind of tell them in, um, in a certain order so you can kind of see that evolution of, of where we started off when I first said, Hey, I'm, I'm stepping away from the faith all the way until, um, you know, a couple of years later, you know, upon the, um, uh, the, the, the eve of the completion of the book. And uh, it, it was, it's been very interesting, you know, the conversations my mother and I have had, especially as I, she's brought up some of the emotional arguments and, you know, the, 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 the um, anecdotal arguments and, and things of that nature on why she believes and said some very revealing things um, to me that I'd never heard before. And um, my experience, you know, growing up, again, as a cultural Christian, has been interesting. And I say this, you know, with my mother in mind because, you know, I was raised by a single mother, so she 
had the um, she had the, the, the dominant influence over my sister and I, especially you know, with regards to our exposure to religion. So um, I say we're culturally Christian because you know the way we were raised because we 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 weren't uh, indoctrinated like uh, like other. Um, like, like other young little black boys and girls were in, in, in the fact that we didn't have to go to, um, you know, Christian camps and, you know, we didn't always have to participate in all the, all of the other uh, Christian extracurricular activities. Um, I, if I had a sum of our experience, it was almost like we went more so for show. Like my mother's a very social person. Right. And I have, I have no right. doubt that, I have no doubt that her involvement with the church um, was important to her and, 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 and very um, and very influential in her development. I have no doubt about that. But I can't say that it was passed on to my sister and I um, the same way, or more specifically, me. Um, for example, we never really prayed together as a family about issues. I, I used to spend the night at some other families, um, you know, some of my friend's house, you know, when I was younger, and something would come up, like, you know, what are we going to do about money? Or what are we going to do about this problem or that problem? And they would get together and they would pray together. Like, prayer was it's not the solution, a very integral part to the solution. We never did that. Prayer wasn't seen as an answer. If nothing else, and I say this in the book, my mother always forced us to think. My mother was very, uh, was very forceful when it comes to knowing why you did what you did. And if you said, I don't know to her, that would get you in more trouble than, than the actual thing that you did that was wrong. So uh, she always right. forced think, 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 think. Um, but she never said, turn to Jesus or open up your Bible. She never said that. And if she did, I don't remember those experiences. So that wasn't our experience. So, I, you know, when I look back, I wasn't indoctrinated into, um, you know, the, 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 the Christian faith as much as some, you know, some of the other, or the, I would say the, the vast majority of uh, black people who grew up with, uh, you know, with religion in their life. Um, ours is very, you know, touch and go. So, um, and then, uh, so again, that, that relationship um, and those conversations and those questions with my mother and I with regard to religion and, and, and the absence of religion were very, very interesting and telling. And then with um, that led to very interesting and, 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 uh, and honest conversations with my sister, um, with my friends, um, you know, and, and even with the community at large, for example. So uh, we'll go to birthday parties, things of that nature. And my wife is one of my biggest advocates for my book, and she'll tell them, Excellent. my husband wrote a book. You know, she, she, she'll say, uh, she, you know, my husband wrote a book. And, and in saying so, she won't always maybe share what the topic is, but she'll say, you know, he wrote a book. So then those, that individual or those individuals will come up to me and say, oh, so my wife tells, your wife tells me you wrote a book. What's the book about? And, uh, and uh, you can imagine, the, you can imagine the, the wide array of responses I get when I tell them, oh, well, you know, it's about oh, yeah. uh, religion in the black community and my journey away from faith. And um, I've noticed something that if I say this to one individual, uh, maybe one or two individuals I'll share with the, you know, what the book is about times, I'll say eight or nine times out of 10, they'll, they'll begin to commiserate with me and, and, and share their experience and say, you know what? I've had questions too. And wow, that's very that's interesting right. of that nature. But if they're in a group setting, more than likely they'll quickly change the topic or they'll act like I didn't say anything, things of that nature. And I feel like it's almost the intimidation <laughs> of that group that makes them uh, that, 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 that quells their curiosity and, and, and you know, right. prohibits them from asking any questions, you know, without their, without their integrity or their faith being questioned. But if I have them on a one-on-one setting or, or there's maybe two of them and they ask me and I tell them what my book's about, 
more than likely they, you know, it's more of a very open-minded and interesting conversation, even if they're Christian. Again, that's not to say that they leave the faith or anything, but they're, they're willing to have that conversation. Go, wow, that's interesting. I took that questions. What did you come up with? Tell me more about your book. So this, this book has been a very, um, a very interesting talking piece. Um, as I as I go and, and share, you know, what the topic is about um, amongst the community, and I've and, and I can't say that it's been met with vitriol and and and, and hatred. It's mostly been met with either uh, silence and 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 just kind of turning away, and you know, they go about their business, or it's been met with um, with a sense of um, a sense of uh, understanding um, and, and a sense of curiosity and wanting to know more, um, and it's led to some very very great. Uh, conversations, like I said, family, friends, and just the community at large. So um, I'm very uh, interested to see uh, some of the comments and responses to individuals who purchased the book all around the country and kind of see what type of comments they leave and um, what kind of responses they have. And I'm very interested to see uh, for those individuals who are uh, black and atheist, agnostic, but still in the closet, I'm very interested to see, you know, how that book affects them understanding um, and, and knowing more about my experience coming out, what that process has been like, um, and, and understanding that there's more of us out there, not just throughout history, but also, you know, looking, you know, amongst our peers and our contemporaries and, and understand that we're not alone um, and it's okay to live your truth as anybody else would um, because not doing so, um, you know, really does more harm to yourself um, and it's a lot more freeing and authentic again, to kind of do that exploration and admit who you are. And I think anybody who is still in the closet, especially if you're black and atheist, I think um, those individuals would be surprised by how many people would either A, say that they're an atheist too, um, or B, um, would, you know, although they still subscribe to one faith or another, would be more welcoming and open-minded than they may think. So um, uh, either exactly. way, it's just definitely a more, a more authentic way to live. So I definitely would. Um, I would definitely prescribe that to anybody who may be, uh, who's going to be listening to this and, and thinking, hey, I'm black, I'm still in the closet um, as an atheist. Um, should I come out? And if so, what are the benefits and some of the potential pitfalls? I, I, I'm interested to see what they think about my experience and my journey, which is chronicled in my book. Excellent, excellent. And that's one of the reasons why we started this show, so that we could put out that, you know, basically create a community in which, you know, you have people of color who are closeted in regards to their humanism or atheism, that they'll have at least something that they can listen to, something that they can relate to, and, and you know, they know that they're not alone, you know, because we've had a number right. of people on the show over the years, and, you know, I'm really big into books, so I'll, you know, promote different books, read this. Yeah, you may not agree with it, but there are some nuggets in there that you need to see because while this person may be a professional, Christian, read this right here. Now, doesn't that sound interesting? So it's like sometimes people will give you clues and hints, and, and, you know, you have to take it for what it's worth. But um, what's interesting is you said that your wife would tell people that, you know, you wrote a book. And so I'm going to hit on a more personal note because this is going to be interesting right here. You said that with your family, you know, how you all navigated this particular situation. Now, what about her family. Are you still invited to the cookout? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm still. I'm still definitely invited to the cookout. That um, that was also a very uh, interesting uh, process. Um, you know, that I kind of talk about in depth in the book in terms of, well, the first person, um, as you can imagine, 
uh, when I first asked that question back in 2012 of why do I believe in, uh, you know, why did I believe in, in God? Um, and then not only that, coming to my conclusion of, you know what, I don't really believe, to, I don't really believe, I don't have any good reason to believe. Let me begin a journey to kind of find out more about this. Um, the first person I had to tell about this obviously was my wife. And again, at that time, we'd been married about six months. So, um, so that was a very interesting conversation that ensued. And, uh, and like I said earlier, when I was telling you about sharing my book with others and the interesting and honest conversations uh, that would ensue, it was no different uh, with my wife. So while we were dating, um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. So, you know, I like watching documentaries. <laughs> and when I was dating, my wife and I were dating, you know, I got her to watch some documentaries with me. And one of the ones that, I, that was recommended to me from a, a different coworker, a, another individual, um, was uh, one called For the Bible Tells Me So. And uh, oh, yes. if anybody hasn't seen it, right, if anybody hasn't seen it, I would definitely say check it out. Um, essentially, it's just a, you know, it's a documentary about religion and you know, what it has to say about homosexuality. Um, it kind of talks about um, you know, the, the historical and, and, um, and a contemporary perspective on what's going on with regard to that, religion, that conversation. Um, so you know, I watched that documentary with my wife, um, and we haven't really had, at least not to my knowledge, any deep conversation about religion prior to watching that documentary. So we're watching that documentary together, and at the conclusion of it, we kind of look at each other, you know, silent, like, wow, that's, you know, that's heavy. That, you know, that's a lot for two individuals who hadn't really talked about, you know, religion at length. So we had a very um, open and honest conversation about, um, about that specific documentary, like what we thought about what religion has to say about homosexuality and, and, and some of the verses in the Bible, you know, things of that nature, which led to more conversations about what religion uh, means in our life. And I think it was uh, a breath of fresh air to myself, and, and, and if I can speak for my wife, I would say for her as well, to have somebody to another black person specifically to talk about religion in such a manner um, without being questioned. Because at the time we would have still called ourselves Christian, but we were still asking these very tough questions of each other, of, of each other with regard to our faith without questioning each other um, in a judgmental manner. So, so I think that was very refreshing because I think we all know what it feels like to ask tough questions and be shut down and have those tough questions Mm -hmm. met with, um, short and adequate answers or, and or judgment. So it, it, that, that was, I think, the beginning of our, our, um, our like-minded um, critical thinking um, and, and open-mindedness. So we watched a couple, a couple of other documentaries as well that touched on religion or that were solely about religion. And, uh, and, and I quickly um, came to find out that she, too, grew up asking questions, um, but they were quelled, those questions were uh, quelled by one parent but promoted by another parent. So funny how so that works, huh? Grew up. Go ahead. Right, right, <laughs> right. It, it, it's very interesting. So, so, so that always led her to still practice, still, still be a practicing Christian, but still have those unanswered questions in the back of her head that that probably didn't let her, you know, fully, you know, dive in, if you will. So uh, years later, again, fast forward to you know when we're married, and I'm sharing, you know, my experience, you know, my my journey, because again, it wasn't over by asking that question and coming to that. Uh, that that particular conclusion, but um, you know, sharing my journey with her allowed her to now answer, you know, ask some questions and, and really start to think and say, hey, you know what? Where, where do I fall on the spectrum of religiosity? You know, am I a Christian? Am I, you know, what I now call spiritual but not religious? Um, am I just, you know, an atheist? You know, you know, where do I lie? You know, in that spectrum, if you will. Right. And and, um, and uh, 
for her, she came to her own truth, her own authentic truth and her own process. So um, I'm one of the, for- again, I can't stand up. I'm one of the fortunate ones because I haven't lost any family members or friends and I didn't lose a wife either. We're still married um, and, um, you know, happily married. And, you know, she is, you know, not a practicing Christian either. She, you know, she's an atheist. She's agnostic. Um, she she is still, she, she's still, you know, going on. She's still in the process of finding out exactly, you know, which, which, uh, uh, you know which term she would use, but either way, she's not a Christian, and we both um, have had uh, good conversations, great conversations, figuring out how to answer some of our our children's questions with regard to uh, religion. And uh, one thing, what we did was when we finally did, uh, when I came out, and uh, my wife decided she wanted to come out, uh, maybe about a year later or so. Um, uh, she wanted to come out to her parents. She saw my process of coming out to my to my mother and, and my family, and she just wanted to, her main thing was she wanted to tell her parents. So she finally gathered her family. I was there with her, and uh, you know she came out to her parents, which is a very you know I know for them it was a very emotional and challenging process. Um, and uh, I'm I'm thinking about it now. It was it was, uh, it, it was very interesting because again it was a lot more challenging than, than the conversation um, that I had with my family in general. Mine was more of a of a, of an argument back and forth. So you're in the heat of the moment. Hers is more like, you know, <laughs> if you, if you would have walked in the middle of it, you would have thought someone died, you know? So it, it was very emotional and very sad. So I was just there for, for, you know, emotional comfort as, you know, as much as possible. Um, and, uh, and, but, but, but I, I have to give her, you know, her mother, her parents uh, credit because, you know, as you asked, am I still invited to the barbecue? And, and I am, you know, they didn't hold it against me. She still, you know, her mother, her parents still disagree, you know, um, but, but, but I respect that uh, approach of having uh, the ability to disagree with somebody, but still get along with somebody, which is unfortunately something that we don't always do in the black community. So, um, so I'm still right. very much in, invited to, you know, invited to the house. Now, I, I don't know if that would be the case if I was married to her daughter with kids, you know, maybe she would have gave me the boot, but, um, but, but, but I know <laughs> as of now, um, uh, as it stands, you know, I can only take I can only take the you know the, the situation based on the way it is. So as it stands, her parents have been you know great sports about the situation overall, and um, you know regardless of our our you know clear disagreement with when it comes to religion, and I'm very interested to see if her mother ever decides to purchase the book. I'm very interested to see what she may think of you know my experience and and uh, a deeper dive into into my exploration. So um, yeah, very eye opening experience. So anybody that's listening that's married. Um, and again, that's in the closet. Um, again, I'm hoping that my book um, can provide some comfort. Um, I don't want to say some guidance just because it's so, you know, the, I, I can imagine that the situation is going to be so different depending on, you know, your history and background with religion, who you're married to, and things yeah, like that. It's a personal but, journey. Right, absolutely. So, so I would hope if nothing else, it just gives them a little bit of comfort knowing, like I said earlier, that they're not the only ones out there dealing with this um, and, and that it is possible to come out on the other end of this unscathed and still better off um, because of gone, you know, being uh, exposed to this type of, you know, environment in these individuals um, than feeling like you're going to be worse off and you need to remain in the closet and, and quiet about, you know, your lack of belief. So, um, so yeah. Right. We'll invite to the barbecue. There you go. There you go. So, no, I just find it interesting, especially the title of the book, because I know at the beginning when I first, you know, admitted openly that I was an atheist, um, it was a journey. And I like to talk about the stages of grief. 
and how you kind of get stuck in that anger loop for a while. So I know what I used to say and how it would challenge the Christians, and they would say, well, you know, Jesus died to set me free. And we would be like, free from what? And salvation from what? So you called your book, excuse me, Emancipation of a Black Atheist. Emancipation from what? Absolutely. So it was Emancipation from... Uh, the, the reason why I chose that title uh, was because um, in going through my journey, in going through my process, I didn't realize how much I was, how much I was professing to know about religion that was borrowed from other people's experiences. And right. um, in, in, in writing this book, I you know, had the opportunity to speak to some people who've known me for years um, that reminded me, because some of these conversations I forgot, they reminded me that I would, as a Christian, a cultural Christian, I would argue with them um, how, you know, Christianity is the one true religion and, um, and how it's real and, you know, how there is a God. And, I, you know, I totally forgot about these, Christ, uh, about these conversations, and I was more fascinated by it. And, and looking back at that, I, I realized how much, um, how inauthentic that process was, you know, how inauthentic those words and experience must have been. Because, again, I never really, I never experienced the Holy Ghost. Um, I never really went to my Bible for answers. Um, I, you know, I, I couldn't quote any scripture. Um, I never, <laughs> I never had any, I never had any type of, um, you know, over, overly religious experience, you know, that, that I can point to and say, this is how I know God's real because I felt it. I never had any of that. But, but I know in the back of my head, when I said that, I would say it off the confidence of knowing that other people said that. And again, that is not the foundation of any, um, any real, true, authentic experience. So uh, for me, that was limiting, uh, that, that particular perspective and that mindset was limiting my growth to learning more about the religion and, and about Christianity specifically. And it wasn't until I was emancipated from that mindset, I was freed from that particular mindset to say, let me learn about this on my own. I could have been, you know, emancipated from that mindset and still wound up a Christian, um, you know, upon, you know, all my research, but at least it would have been my journey. Um, uh, but, but again, in this particular case, I was, I was standing on the foundation of other people's journeys. And um, again, right. in writing the book and in, in doing the research, I couldn't help but to think back to the slaves, for example, who were indoctrinated um, into, you know, the, the, the Christian faith you know, in the same way, you know, so they're introduced to Christianity, which is not their reality. That's not how they were raised. That wasn't a part, that literally was not a part of their worldview until they were, until they were enslaved and forced to learn a particular way. So uh, once they became, you know, once they had, you know, know, slaves are, you know, quote unquote freed um, and allowed to, you know, explore and read and study, we just talked about some of the individual's um, who were prominent black uh, figures in history who deviated from the Christian mindset that was forced on us um, as slaves. Right. The Christian mindset was, was, was the only option. But once we were freed, we had options. And mentally, with regards to religion, I was operating almost like a slave mindset. Like, this is what it is. This is what I was That's told. Right. And this is what it is. That's in right. the story. So. So toward the so toward the uh, end of the book, I didn't come up with the title till I was almost finished. I had several working titles, but uh, toward the end of the book, um, kind of you know 
you know, reading it and, and editing the book and looking back over it, um, the, emancip- the, the emancipation uh, word came into play when I thought about how my mindset really evolved, um, you know, the way I looked at religion, the way um, I looked at the potential to ask questions. Um, uh, right. This is something that I, I talk about, you know, with my kids, for example. So they ask questions. And I, I, again, I can respect and understand why you would tell a kid, you know, do as I say, not as I do. But what I want my children to do, what I hope my children will do um, throughout their intellectual development is understand that I'm telling you a, a certain way to do something, but that doesn't mean it's the end all be all. You know, like I'm telling you to do something more than likely if I force it because, you know, it's for your safety. But that doesn't mean still don't ask questions. I want you to ask questions. I want you to explore. I need you to know why you're doing something. And if that feels inauthentic, That's right. you, it, you, you, you'll gain more. Your brain will literally, will literally become um, more developed uh, because you have to map out and chart out your own path. It doesn't take much of a creative person to walk down someone's path, but to create your own path, now you have to use ingenuity. Now you have to explore. You have to research. You have to fail and succeed. You know, there's a, there's a process that you go through that's going to make you stronger and more wise as an individual versus doing what my mom did or doing what grandma did or doing what my uncle told me. That, that's, that's, um, that's, that's not as authentic and it's not as, um, it, it's not as, uh, uh, productive you know, when it comes to growing as a person. So I think that's especially important for young people. And I sometimes kick myself when I, um, when I speak to other black individuals who realize this at a young age. So and, and here right. I was, I was you know, 30 something at the time when I finally came to this realization. But I think because of that, again, I felt even more emancipated because I went this long um, with this closed-minded mindset, and once, you know, once I was freed and the doors were open to, you know, really explore and feel okay and safe to explore and kind of ask some of these tough questions, um, then I felt, you know, truly emancipated. And that's why I think the title um, was, was, for me, you know, so important, uh, the emancipation of a black atheist. And, um, and, and using that word atheist uh, was huge for me as well, you know, in the title, because, right. you know, I don't walk around saying I'm an atheist, you know, I, even though that, you know, I, by definition, am an atheist. And if someone's asked me, are you an atheist? Of course, I would say yes. But I'm not really big on labels, but I used it specifically right. um, in the book because I wanted to, I wanted to, um, not single-handedly, but I wanted to contribute um, to the, uh, to the effort to put a different spin on that particular word because I know it has a negative connotation. Right. And I wanted, and again, I know I'm not the only one doing this, but I wanted to contribute in that effort. So when someone reads the book um, that's, that has the, the, the title atheist on it, um, they can hopefully have a different perspective on somebody who is almost essentially just like them, especially if we're talking about someone else in the black community. I go to work just like them. I care about my family just like them. I want to contribute to the world in a positive way just like them. I want to contribute to some of the issues that plague the black community just like them. I just so happen to not believe in, you know, your particular God or any God for that matter. But that doesn't mean that I still right. am not a valuable member of the community. I'm still not a good person. I still can't be a moral um, uh, a person, a person of integrity. That doesn't mean all those things. I just, I just, you know, believe in one less God than they do. That's, you know, and it doesn't have to be that big of a chasm uh, when it comes to um, trying to mend uh, the wounds, you know, in our community, if, if, if we're thinking about black people specifically. So, so that's what I hope uh, some of the people that, that take away from this book. 
Right, you're contributing to the broader, um, you know, topic at hand. And and that's right. wonderful because books like this, you know, they're definitely needed. And I'm glad that you spoke at, about the young people because that's one of the questions that I ask consistently with people that come on the show, especially if they've written books. But I want to kind of double back a little bit to something that you had, and then I know you have some other things that you need to do. But when you were talking about religion – Overall, and and it's just interesting because I've done a show talking about the difference between black Christianity and white Christianity. And even though people were questioning then, and see, a lot of people don't understand that Christianity was taught in Africa before we were even brought here as slaves. So there were some Africans that were already practicing Christianity, which is one of the you know, one of the arguments that I use when, because what's interesting is I see some of these white atheists and they attack some black atheists in the same manner that they attack black Christians and I have issues with that. But my question to you is, knowing the history of Africans in this country and and what we've endured and what we continue to endure, do you believe that Christianity and and following of that particular ideology and religion in general, do you believe that it was a means of survival then and now? Um, yes, I do believe, I do believe, uh, you know, based on what I've read, what I researched, um, and, and just, and just trying to relate as much as possible, because obviously I've, I've never been in, you know, a, a circumstance anywhere near that dire, but to just trying to imagine, um, the you know the horrific circumstances that an individual can be put through, and then being given uh, this this sedative. I, I refer to um, there's a particular right. passage uh, in, in, my, in my book where I, where I refer to Christianity um, as a sedative, where the sedative was meant to um, it was meant to quell our rebellion, you know that that rebellious nature, but at the same time not too much because you still want to make sure that we're productive, right? Because we're still meant to work at the end of the day. So that's specifically what it was used for, and very brilliantly, you know, as, as well. I, you know, if, if I if I were if I were an individual who were going to enslave a group of individuals, I would definitely take some notes from the European, uh, you know, slaveholders who um, specifically right. how they use you know religion um, as a very divisive tool, um, but at the same time as a tool that was uh, that played into their capitalistic engine that. Um, that made money and quelled rebellion. It, you, they used it brilliantly. You know, you, you have to give them, you know, you have to give them, uh, you know, credit where it's due, no matter how heinous or horrific it is. Unfortunately, because right. that was done to us, though, that was um, that that horrific act was done to us. I felt like it was used um, essentially. You know, Africans who, who who decided to convert and not die, um, uh, they it, it was used um, as you know as, as a security blanket, if you will. Um, and so I mm-hmm. can almost understand using it in that particular in that particular manner. I think for me, my um, my train of thought, my questioning in the book allows me to question what is it doing today, though? Because today, you know, with even I mean, anyone can argue, um, and it's very obvious that you know black people still aren't afforded um, you know all of the, you know, privileges, you know, as our white counterparts. But at the same time, I think, you know, religion um, only hampers us even more um, in our quest to become equal, you know, with regards to uh, finance or education or health or any other, um, or any other category where we happen to be lacking. And when you look at 
um, how the black church um, either, you know, contributes or exacerbates particular situations that are going on in our community, like uh, sexism or the issues with mental health or just the mismanagement of, 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 of our financial wealth in our community, the black community, I think that does even more damage in our community than it does in a white community because we're already several steps behind. You know, we can argue exactly. face how many, how many steps behind the black community is behind the white community, but I don't think any black person wouldn't argue that we're several steps behind still today in 2017. So even with us being That's behind, right. when you add religion, it's almost like we're running the race and we're, we started off the race behind our white counterparts, but then we're also running the race with the shackles of religion behind us, and we're still trying to catch up, and we have this antiquated thinking um, that was literally, you know, written by people, you know, in, in, you know during the Iron Age who, um, that, who didn't understand some of the things that we understand today, and we're still using that as our main playbook, and we wonder why we're still lacking it again mental health, which is huge. Everybody knows how bad that is in our, in our black community. And if we, look in, if we look and see what the church, not all churches, but what a lot of churches mm-hmm. um, have to say about mental health, it's no wonder why it's still a problem today. Kind of hard to catch up exactly. in finance, education, wealth, if we're still running around here not adequately addressing mental health or finances. Everybody, not everybody, if any of us does our research and <laughs> find out how much financial power uh, we have in our black community, then you wonder, well, what are we doing, you know, with, you know, with, with all this wealth that we supposedly have? What are we doing with it? And if you see, we, there's over 70,000-plus uh, black churches uh, in, in, in the U.S. Um, and how much those churches rake in, not only that, how those churches are conveniently nestled in the most dilapidated neighborhoods while, exactly. the, church, you know, the, the, while the opulent church continues to flourish, that is where we are investing our dollars. And, exactly. and you can argue white people do the same, but if, you know, we need to manage our funds a lot better because we're behind the eight ball, maybe one day when we catch, if and when we catch up, we can afford to throw dollars at the church really nearly. But until then, we need to be a lot more stringent and strategic about what we do to address some of these black, to, to address some of these issues in the black community. And if anybody on that council, if you will, um, it has a religious perspective, it's not going to be a question that they might have an antiquated, not all the time. Again, I'm not speaking about everybody, but it's not going to be surprising if they happen to have an antiquated solution to a very uh, longstanding 400-year problem. Um, you know, I, I just think we really need to change the way we approach this. And my, my, my challenge to the black community is let's just try it. Let's just try one year, like we're at the end of 2017 right now. Let's try 2018 one time without invest, you know, in, in redirecting our investments into other things other than church. Let's try one time to try a secular means of addressing um, mental health and sexism um, in our community. Let's try this for one year, and if we don't see any positive results, then we can go back to what we've been doing for 400 years. But the definition of madness is doing the exact same thing over and over, expecting different results, and that's exactly what we're doing for 400 years. And it's scary to think that we're going to keep doing this for another 400 years, but expecting that that next year is going to be our year, next year is going to be our season, as they would say in the church. That's going to be our season. That's going to be the time when things are going to turn over. Jesus is going to be here next year. And uh, oh, yeah. one last thing. I don't, oh, yeah. I, I We've don't been next in point, line for that miracle for a long, long time. Right. Well, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And um, not only next in line for that particular miracle, but, you know, this is all on the bedrock of hope. And, again, I can – I can uh, understand and imagine as much as possible how that is literally all slaves had because they didn't have freedom. They didn't have freedom right. to make choices 
that we do. We have the freedom to make choices if we want to, what we do with our money. Slaves didn't not only have any money, but they didn't have the freedom to make the choices that we can. So I can see how one might be whittled down to having nothing but hope, something that is literally, you know, uh, encapsulated in the recesses of your mind. But for individuals such as us, I need them to understand that hope is not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. So I, it makes you That's feel right. good. I absolutely understand that because I'm human. I feel good with hope too. But that is not going to be the bedrock of my strategy. That is not going to be the main chess piece that I'm going to use to that, that I'm going to use to play and navigate this game. Um, you know, this this capitalistic society as we again attempt uh, attempt to catch up with our white counterparts with regard to all the different areas where we're still lacking. So. I, I, exactly. I would love if we can change our thinking and start to understand how much religion plays into that. And that doesn't mean we have to necessarily abandon our faith. Um, that doesn't mean we have to abandon our faith. I think a lot of people are familiar with individuals who would claim to be spiritual and not religious. I talk about this in the book, mm-hmm. SBNR. And I think if we had that type of, you know, at the very least, if you're going to cling on to some type of, uh, some type of uh, a shred of, you know, religiosity or spirituality, if we had that approach where um, you're spiritual but not religious, that, um, you, your, your listeners will, will understand this um, and recognize this with those people who say, yeah, I believe in God, but I never really go to church. Yeah, I believe in God, but I don't tithe. Yeah, I don't really believe in God, but I don't pray on a regular basis. Those individuals who, don't, who aren't active in the church, they profess to believe in God, um, but they don't really practice um, you know, they, they don't really mm-hmm. uh, incorporate any of the religious practices in their daily lives. They don't really exactly. um, put church at the forefront. They still use critical thinking to, to navigate their finances, their education, their, their, um, their, their nutrition, their family. They still use critical thinking as the bedrock for all those things. And, oh, yeah, at the very end of that, sure, yeah, I believe in a God. I think if we, um, if we, if we prioritize religion a little differently, Again, if it still has to be in our community, I think we can be benefited. But as long as religion, the, the overwhelming uh, majority of us are going to be religious and put it at the forefront of our solution uh, uh, process of trying to tackle some of these issues, I think we're going to be in for a lot more of what we've already seen. Um, and I'll be the first to admit I'm wrong. If everything turns around tomorrow and Jesus comes and saves us, I'd be the first to admit we're wrong. But <laughs> I, so, far, so far we have 400 years of evidence that says, you know that that says more than likely we'll need to try something drastically different before we see before we see drastic results. Exactly, exactly. And you know this is a great conversation, and I'm really enjoying this. Next year, I'm bringing up two new platforms. Um, yeah, so I'll just tell you that you will be getting another invite for um, a discussion that I'm going to be putting together. Are you a millennial by chance? I guess I'm in that category still 36. Just on the, is that just yeah, off the cuff? you're a millennial. Yeah. Okay, what about hip-hop? You enjoy hip-hop? I do. More more so what, 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 what kids would call old school now. But, yeah, I, I still oh, yeah. yeah, I know. I know it sounds weird, the type of questions that I'm asking you, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, we just finished talking about capitalism and in a roundabout right. way the wealth inequality gap and all of right. that. And, um, yeah, so it's a discussion that we need to have. 
And so I know I want you to be a part of the discussion, and there's a few more people that will be a part of that. So I'm just giving you the heads up to let, let you know that <laughs> we'll be coming back your way. But congratulations with your book. I'm waiting for the Kindle. So when will that be released, the Kindle version? Yeah, so, so it's actually available now, um, Kindle, that's through Amazon. So, yeah, so if you go on Amazon, um, the Kindle version uh, as well as the hard copy is available there. And if you go to um, Barnes & Noble's website, the hard copy as well as the Nook version is available there right now. So um, any listeners, definitely go on there, check it out, ebook as well as hard copy available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, depending on your, your, your e-preference, your ebook preference. So. Okay, because with Amazon and a Kindle, it has it as pre-order. So just kind of give okay. you a heads up on that. They haven't released it yet. But, yeah, oh, guys, okay. go out there, get this book, and, you know, um, you already heard the conversation. And, you know, reach out and engage with Dr. Evans. I'm more than positive that he'd be happy to hear from you and to talk about, you know, his experience. And so I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more from you and about you um, in the upcoming years and all of that. And like I said, you're a friend of the show. You're welcome at any time. And like I said, we're developing more things now. So next year there are going to be some changes, but there are going to be changes for the better. Like I said, this is part of my metamorphosis. And so thank you. You know, and that's why I had to ask you specifically about emancipation so, because I already knew. But I wanted for you to explain that to the people out there because a part of my a big part of my listening audience, believe it or not, are black Christians. And okay. so <laughs> you know, I'll get these emails or direct messages or inboxes and you know, we'll go back and forth on that. And so again, I do this not only for, you know, the non believers and atheists and humanists that are closeted, but also for the Christians that are questioning. And a large part of my audience base also are white people which I found okay. quite interesting because I don't really bridle my tongue when I talk about some of the current sociopolitical issues, but right. they understand why. You know, I have to bring the topics as hard as I do sometimes. But congratulations, you know, on a marriage and your, your babies and your book. And, and, again, just that liberation, that freedom that you found within yourself. Because um, in my experience, it, it freed me from a lot of unnecessary weight and burdens that were placed on my shoulder as a believer. You can't do this and you can't do that. And you see some of the people telling me, telling you that you can't do it and they're doing it. And again, that goes back to the do as I say, not as I do. And it freed me. But what I will say is, you know, not only accepting my, uh, my atheism, but, also going back and doing research and looking at the history, I believe it made me a more compassionate person. And so, you know, you're on this journey and, and you know, it's exciting and doors are going to open up for you. And, you know, I'm excited for you and I'm wishing you the very, very best. Enjoy it. Do you have any upcoming events that you want to share with us? Uh, let's see. Well, I know I will be uh, speaking on December 17th. I'll actually be in Atlanta. Um, speaking to the black non-believers uh, of Atlanta. So the, uh, the, okay. the president, uh, Mandisa Thomas, um, she's 
know, well-known black atheists. And I spoke to them a couple of years ago, maybe three in 2014, when I was still writing the book and I got a couple of uh, individuals from that group to actually interview. And I want to say one or two of them actually made it in the book. So um, I'll be speaking to them again on the 17th, December 17th on a Sunday at, uh, at 3 p.m. to kind of share my findings and share my, my completed uh, story, at least in the book. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, and, um, and I know I have some other uh, speaking engagements scheduled for early next year as well as some future podcasts, so I'm really looking forward to those as well. Okay, very good, very good, and we wish you the very best. And like I said, I may be reaching out to you you know, to come back on here to have a conversation, but, you know, let you get out there and, and let everybody get a chance to have a chance to engage with you and experience, you know, your your journey. You're sharing that with them. And so, you know, I thank you for coming on the show. We're looking forward to working with you again. And congratulations, my dear. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for having me again. It was great, great conversation. All right. Well, look, for those of you, again, you can go out to Barnes & Nobles. You can go to Amazon. You can order the hard copies of the book. They have the book nook as well as the Kindle version. You can download it, Dr. Evans. You know, uh, like I said, I put the um, Facebook, the link to the Facebook page, and the page is called Emancipation of a Black Atheist. And I took a look at it, and he has all of his information there. So if he's coming to a city near you, get out there, get a chance to talk to him and to see him. If he's going to be on another podcast, he usually lists that there as well. I'll send you the link to this one. And get out there, encourage him, and I'm hoping that, you know, by having these different people come on the show, that it's encouraging you all as well. You know, for some people, you'll never be able to come out of the closet. We understand that, but we still want to put this out here so that we can continue to support you and encourage you and motivate you because there's nothing wrong with you for for thinking differently. And there's nothing wrong with questioning, you know, everything around you. We're supposed to question everything. And as Dr. Evans said, you know, the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result or a different solution. So, Dr. Evans, thank you for being here. We appreciate you. We appreciate the work that you're doing. And I'm looking forward to working with you in the future. Sounds great. I can't wait to hear from you. All right, dear. All right, well, all right, well, we're going to continue on, and I'm going to go a little bit into a little bit more of the topics that we talked about, but um, we're looking forward to hearing from Dr. Evans again. So you take care and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. So, guys, yeah, please go out there and purchase the book and get a chance to go out there and engage with him and talk with him, and you're going to love it. You know, you heard part of the conversation here today. I could have kept him a lot longer, but I know he has other things to do, and so do you, and so do I. But I wanted to, you know, bring that here because, again, he's talking about that emancipation, and that's why I specifically asked why he used that word. And, you know, it was interesting because I brought up about when some Christians, when they talk about, you know, their salvation or, you know, being free and how the blood of the Lamb or the blood of Jesus washed over them and made them white as snow and washed all of those sins away. You know, I always question and I always try to get them to question and to ask why, you know, and 
part of this, part of these questions I'm going to be addressing on the new platform next year. So it's going to be interesting. You know, I'm going to talk about sin and, you know, again, is sin and morality, you know, are they on par? Is it the same thing? You know, who gets to determine what's a sin? Who gets to determine what's moral? So look at some of these things from a more philosophical view. And one thing I will say is what's beautiful about this journey and Dr. Evans attested to this early in the show when he was talking about reading those books. You know, it opened his mind. It made him question even more. It it piqued his curiosity. So that encouraged him to go out and to read more and to start questioning more. This is one of the reasons why I'm always throwing books out there for people to go and to read and to, you know, glean some information from. And it's not just necessarily about religion or non-religion. I'm talking about, you know, um, social issues, political issues, um, just a number of things. And that's why we tackle all these topics. If I had to sit here and talk about religion and non-religion every Sunday, day in and day out, you know, it'd be more than no more than five shows, because by that time you'd be bored and I'd be bored too. And you can only you can only twist it up and and so much, you know. But it's interesting. Um, yeah, go out there, you know. This was an excellent conversation, and I enjoyed Dr. Evans. And, you know, I took a few notes as we were talking. And, you know, it's, it's a couple of things that, you know, he gave me an idea on in regards to the new platform for next year. But there were some things that we're bringing back and some things we're letting go. And it's going to be exciting. At least it's exciting for me. You know, one of the things that, you know, last night I had a conversation with um, one, one of my sisters and I was talking about how, you know, making these different transitions or going through this particular metamorphosis that I'm going through right now, and and it's, it's rather refreshing. It's scary, but it's also rather refreshing because I'm able to be myself more and more, and and, you know, I'm already living authentically. And but being able to do that with even less fear and less obstructions and 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 not trying to live up to an image, not trying to live up to expectations set by others. And so what's interesting is, you know, one of the questions or not questions, but a suggestion that I'm going to make for some of you. This is gonna you know, I want you to think about this and take some time and think about it. But some of the weight and burdens that you may be carrying right now, are they truly yours or are they the dreams and expectations and desires of the people around you projected upon you? and you feel that you have to fulfill these dreams or, or, or fulfill these promises because you don't want to disappoint them. So think about that, and I know it's kind of heavy, you know, because when I was talking about it, I was talking about, you know, some of us who are weighted down 
with the dreams and expectations from our families, our friends, you know, teachers, you know, the general public. And so I want you to sit back and I want you to take stock of that. Go back and analyze, you know, take an analysis of of some of your dreams and your goals. Are is that what you want? Dr. Evans was talking about how you know, some of us, you know, were Christians and part of the faith because this is what mama said or big mama said that or auntie Jane said that and and they always said that I would be this, that. Just think about it. Think about it. And this is part of that personal growth that I've been talking about, but especially when I talked about metamorphosis and when I did the two shows specifically about metamorphosis. And with that growth and with that change and with these experiences, you should be learning something because if you're not learning, you're going to repeat it. And it may not be the same name. It may not be the same people. But the experiences, when you sit there and you contrast them, they were pretty much the same. You know, that's something that I've had to come to realizations, you know, with um, in regards to some things that have transpired over the last seven years. And it's like, okay, I repeated this because I didn't learn from the first time. And so... It's important. It's important that you do some self-analysis, some introspection, and even some retrospection. Go back, take a look, see what happened, and um, and learn and grow. Learn and grow from this. You know that's extremely important. So, you guys, you know we're on our way. You're down to the last 35 minutes of the show, but I don't know if I'm going to be talking another 35 minutes or not, because all that needed to be said, Dr. Evans knocked it out the park, and I'm excited for him because just listening to his conversation, you know, I know, you know, things are going to open up for him, just like Marcus, you know, my guy Marcus, um, I miss him, I had to call him and see how he's doing, but we had him on the show, and his book is called What's a God to a Non-Believer, My Journey Away from Religion Toward Atheism Through Hip-Hop Music, so Marco, Marcus Stennis, S-T-E-N-N-I-S, and you can find his book on Amazon as well. So, yeah, guys, you know, and that's why I was asking Dr. Evans about hip-hop and all of that because I think I want to have him and Marcus on the show. I think that will make a very, very interesting conversation, especially, you know, they're two young men, two, you know, millennials. And, you know, I have a couple of other people that I have in mind that I actually want to be a part of that conversation. And so um, one is a young woman and the other one is um, an older man. So, you know, it should be a really, really good conversation. So I need to put all that together. But in regards to, you know, Dr. Evans and his book, Check it out. Definitely check it out. Um, go to his Facebook page, Emancipation of a Black Atheist. It will have his, you know, upcoming events 
posted um, podcasts that he's been on and that he's going to appear on. All of that is there. So if you get a chance, go back and listen to podcasts that he's, he's already, um, you know, been a part of. And so on that note, I think I'm going to go ahead and clear out for the day. But I want to let you guys know that I do miss you. You know, and I'm going to go ahead and resume the live shows after this, you know, because the fun part of it was some of the phone calls. I never knew what was coming my way. And I I laughed because I went and I listened to some of the older shows, and we were being trolled like nobody's business. That was so funny. I mean, you know, (laughs) but it was a learning process. You know, we started all of this from scratch. And so trial and error, right? And so, like I said, I'm excited about the future, you know, trying to stay motivated, trying to stay encouraged, all of those things, because, um, you know, life happens. Things happen, and you have to learn how to balance, you know, those situations, balance your life. But, you know, things are a little different especially when your particular mindset and your ideology changes. And so a lot of what I've had to deal with over the past couple of years with, you know, again, deaths, near deaths, um, you know, relationships, good, bad, ugly, and different, right, and and how to navigate those particular minefields. And when I say minefield, I'm talking about my emotions, and and figuring out when I step to the left, this happens. Why? And so, again, this is his metamorphosis. And, you know, what I find interesting is I share things about myself on the podcast. But, you know, I feel as though I'm sharing even more now. And, you know, what's scary about that is that it makes you vulnerable, you know, but one of the things that I've learned over the years, especially these past two, three years, you know, not everybody you call friend is your friend. Sometimes you're their friend, but they're not yours. And so you need to learn these things. You need to learn how to watch out for the signs and 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 figure out who are the self-serving opportunists and, you know, put everything in perspective, question everything and everyone. So on that note, again, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And I'll say that once again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. New platforms coming out next year, one, the end of January, beginning of February. The other one, more than likely the end of May, beginning of June. And so, you know, I'm in a process of developing them. I'm writing, you know, things out. Those two new platforms will be pre-recorded, edited, and and put out there. And I'm going to have them on, you know, a few different social media platforms. And it's just some really exciting things that are going to take place. Next year we you know, there will be a conference and the first conference will be dealing with um mass incarceration and 
It's, it's going to be interesting. We're going to have people talking about the prison pipeline system. We're going to talk about, you know, how people are, you know, remain in jail because they can't afford to bond out or to be bailed out, you know, and there are a number of projects that are happening, you know, across this nation and across social media. I haven't been posting really anything since August, September, August, September, somewhere in there, and I probably need to start posting again, but like I said, I'm in school, it's a lot of stuff happening, and I really just haven't had the time, but Again, I miss you guys. I'm thinking about you. Continue reading, continue questioning, continue, you know, the introspection and retrospection. It's only going to make you better. So on that note, guys, you all enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we will be back. All right, take care. Good day.